0: This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast episode 40, Yoga and Your Self-Love Journey. My name is Erica, and I'm your host. For this episode, I sat down with Heather Reinhardt. Heather is an author, speaker, producer, entrepreneur, yogi, and yerba mate addict. (laughs) She created a lifestyle brand and product line called Amour de Soie or Amour de Soie in English, which includes affirmation candles and self-love jewelry. Her debut book, Go Love Yourself, was released in spring 2019, and she's now working on a four-part book series that is currently being adapted for television, and that project is called Past Life Husbands. Today, we sat down to talk about self-love and the journey through it. As always, I really appreciate your support and love to read your comments, so if you take a minute and leave a review on iTunes or on your iPhone podcast app, you automatically enter our giveaway. Atleta is continuing to support this podcast in their effort to ignite a community of strong women who lift each other up and is giving out, once again, a $75 shop card. So if you want to know more about the giveaway, stay tuned. I'll give a bit more detail at the end of the show. On and Off Your Mat is also now part of Patreon. Patreon is a web platform where you can donate to financially support this podcast or you can become a monthly member. Donators get shout outs on the episode and as monthly members, you receive exclusive content, mini shows, guided meditation, guided flows, and so much more. You can visit my Patreon page at patreon.com slash on and off your mat to become a member and get access to all the exclusive content from the last few months, or you can just go and make a one-time donation if that works better for you. On November 1st, I was planning to have for you your next exclusive episode, but with the California fires and the loss of electricity, things got a little delayed. I'm so sorry about that. I will get it out to you as soon as possible. In the meantime, you got this episode in our video chat format, ad-free and censored and unedited before it was launched on iTunes. Okay, with all that, let's get to our episode of today with Heather. Hi Heather. Hi, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So excited mm. for listeners that don't know you very well. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and your journey towards self love and yoga? I'm assuming they kind of happened somehow together at some point, anyway. You crossed paths there.
1: Certainly, did. Um, <laughs> I'm an author. Uh-huh. and an accidental entrepreneur, which I'll get into in a minute. <laughs> um, I wrote my first book this year called Go Love Yourself. It's a self-help on self-love. And it really was prompted by me going through a personal self-love journey and then coming out on the other side, realizing that I had more tips, tools, and resources than other people did. Mm-hmm. And I, it kind of became my obligation to the greater good. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this information, I need to share it. Uh, which prompted this beautiful book that I wrote. It's really kind of been a sacred journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and during my self love journey, which I guess technically started the day I moved to California, I'm originally from Atlanta, and the the uh, th- there's very different energies between Los Angeles and Atlanta, mm. including not not just the yoga world, but just uh, a healthier lifestyle in, in general. Um, I think of the moment that I landed in California in 2008, I was like, oh, this is where I, I'm meant to be and what I'm, where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing. And, um, I kind of started a spiritual journey at that time period in my life that just kept evolving. I would meet new people. I would, uh, be introduced to people. And I got an astrology reading, which led me to the yoga room, which led me to the crystal shop. And I just became this mm-hmm. like super hippie to be California girl. Uh, <laughs> which I think a lot of us go down that path. And then when I realized that I wanted to spread the message mainstream, I shifted my brand to very factual driven evidence versus the hippie-dippy stuff, even though I love the hippie hippie-dippy mm. stuff. But I knew that I wanted to reach a, a broader audience to share the message. Um and eventually yoga really became the staple of my life um halfway through my journey. I had worked for a yoga teacher for a number of years in my early to mid 20s, basically just doing her content and personal assistant things. And I think I stepped foot in her class maybe three times of the three years that I worked with her. Mm. I had no desire to do anything yoga related because I was typing up Sanskrit documents all day. Like I didn't want to go to a yoga class for an hour or 90 minutes and, Mm -hmm. and sit there. You know, do the same thing, even though it's not the same thing. But in my head at the time, I was like, no, I'm good. I work in <laughs> yoga, but I don't really do yoga. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then when I left that job, I went into a job in the film industry that definitely required a lot more of my energy and time. And a mentor of mine said to me, I think you need to get to your yoga mat. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I did the yoga thing. I'm, I'm fine. I'm okay. <laughs> and she kept casually mentioning it to me roughly every week or two. And eventually oven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, I was definitely having some breakdowns where I was like, I don't know how to do life like this and I'm not sleeping enough in my relationships. And just the chaos of of when you really don't know who you are and you're trying to figure it out, but also resisting figuring out at the same time. Um, so eventually I picked up the phone and I said, All right, what time is yoga today? I'll come with you. Hmm. And that was in July of tw- 2013. And you can find me on my mat ever, ever almost every day since then. <laughs> it's uh, yoga really impacted my self-love journey because it taught me who myself was. Mm. It's really a deep, profound knowing of who I am and what I came here to do. And I credit yoga out of all the things that I've done in my spiritual practices to be the most influential part of my life.
0: Mm-hmm. You do say in the book, um, or you mentioned how the mat is the mirror of our life. So it's kind of what you're mentioning here. So what did yeah. you learn about yourself on the mat that then you could take out into your life?
1: I could finally hear what I was thinking. Mm. Uh, I think that job that I had at that time period was 24-7. I was on call all the time. My phone was on me by my bedside. It was on my nightstand in case it rang at 2 a.m. Um and I kind of felt like my life wasn't my own because I was living for this job. And when I started the yoga practice, I didn't have my phone on me because you don't bring your phone to class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I realized that was the only hour or 90 minutes of my day where I wasn't attached to that thing and the the chaos that oftentimes came with it. Mm-hmm. That was a really big eye-opening experience of like, Oh, wow, I'm not running my life. My phone is and my my job is and I'm I'm waiting on um, whatever chaotic thing to happen in this, this film industry, the the specific job that I was working in, um, there just, there was always something. And I was the one that had to put out the fires. And then when I got to the yoga mat and kept coming back day after day, I realized that the yoga mat was the place where I could put out my own fires and I could hear what I was thinking and understanding about myself at the time, which just wasn't capable or I wasn't, I wasn't capable of hearing that during the rest of the day because my attention was on the job.
0: Mm, it created spaciousness for you.
1: Spaciousness, nourishment and spaciousness.
0: Mm, so it was clear that you were missing that in your life.
1: Yeah, it, it, but it wasn't clear until I got there. Yeah, yeah. And really, It I, made it clear oh, this is that thing that I've been complaining that I don't have. Oh, this is it. Okay, got it now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And how were you able then to bring it into your life a little bit more?
1: I was very blessed to have amazing teachers. Um, I grew up in a dance world, so I knew that I wanted to go into a more uh, advanced class just because I knew how to move my body in certain ways that I knew that that a beginner's class was not going to be comfortable for me because I'd want to do more. Uh, So I dove right into Mia Togo, Vinny Marino, and Sarah Ezrin, who were, at that time, two of them have now moved out of Los Angeles, but at that time um, were very big in the LA yoga Mm -hmm. scene.
0: We've had Sarah Ezrin on. Guys, you should go back and listen to that episode. It's about writing and yoga. It was an amazing episode.
1: Uh, Hi, um, Sarah. (laughs) Hi, Sarah a huge influential person during my self love journey because she was my one of my main yoga teachers so she saw not only my yoga practice shift and change me but like the internal beauty that was happening between mm-hmm. the but i threw myself into the lion's den of the yoga teachers so i was like i'm going straight for the top <laughs> the, the hard classes i want to come out um very worked out both mentally, physically, and spiritually. I don't necessarily recommend that for everybody. (laughs) You really really want to throw yourself in, but that was just my attitude towards it at the time. And I'm very glad that I did because it gave me an even stronger sense of why I needed to be there because it was bringing me back to my dance body as well, which is something I hadn't done in almost... At that point, it was almost 10 years. Mm -hmm. So it was reconnecting me Physically to muscles that I hadn't used in a long time. And it was um, kind of bringing me back into a centering of my body, which Mm -hmm. you don't really think about much when you're living your daily life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Until something goes wrong.
1: Right. And they're like, oh, I should fix this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So your book is
0: called Go Love Yourself. What does it mean to you to love oneself? Like we hear about self-love all the time, but can you define it? So we are on the same, you know, page Uh, for today's interview.
1: Yeah. I define self-love as a righteous knowing of your identity. Mm. When you know yourself, you understand the choices that you've made in the past and you understand the choices you need to make for your future as well.
0: That's pretty simple and yet very, very broad.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I think it's, it's it's simple because it's just the fact of when you know yourself, you can then start to love yourself. But it's also, it's very broad because everybody has their unique journey mm-hmm. and no one's the same and everybody's gonna everybody's lives are going to unfold differently and how they need to unfold for that specific person. But yeah, self-love is defined for me as a righteous knowing of yourself.
0: Because from that place, then every choice and decision you make is the best for yourself in the circumstances in that moment. Exactly. So it does touch every aspect of your life after it just ripples. Totally. Yeah. That's why it's so broad. Yeah. <laughs> why is it so challenging for people to make that choice to love your to love themselves? You know, I I remember you saying in the book, no one really just wakes up one day and decides to love themselves. Like we need a catalyst. Yeah. We need like we need something to push ourselves? Like, why Why is it challenging to just be like, yep, yeah, I'm doing this for myself?
1: I think that most of us don't have that education in our early youth that it's okay mm. to love yourself or, or it, you know, I, I think the time that we grew up in was very much about, um, be- not that it wasn't about becoming your best self, but there weren't any instructions at mm-hmm. least. And mm-hmm. I know looking back in my youth, um, I was born in the mid '80s, so I'm an I'm an elder millennial, as <laughs> Eliza Schlafinger would call it. Um, I know that my parents did their best, and they they used the tools that they had at the time. Um, and I think that my my journey necessarily didn't necessarily have to do with my parents per se. But now that I look back at it, I can be like, oh, I did watch my parents go through some financial stuff that really impacted my self worth at that time but I didn't understand it till I was 25 and looking back at my Mm -hmm. entire life. Um, But I think that we just aren't, we're taught what we're taught. We aren't taught a very specific guideline or pathway to self-love. We're just taught to survive for the Mm -hmm. most part. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then it takes some kind of personal realization of, oh, hold on, this doesn't work for me. I want to go that way in my life, but I don't know how, and I need to stop and reassess everything so I can figure out how to do that. Or sometimes self-love can, can start from some kind of really difficult trauma or catastrophe that we've had in our personal lives that it's that moment of, I don't want to live like this anymore. Something has to change. Mm-hmm. So
0: you were talking about the familial culture. Do you think in the culture in general, there's still this association between self-love and like selfish?
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people definitely don't understand that the two are a different kind of self-ish. There's -hmm. selfish where you're just doing things for yourself where it may impact other people in a negative way. Mm -hmm. But there's selfish, which I actually hyphenate self-ish, where you're doing things for yourself that better... Your whole entire life, and therefore, better other people in your life as well. It's like the airplane um, oxygen mask metaphor of you've got to put it on first, or else you can't take care of anyone else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Does that convince people enough to be like, okay, I will?
1: <laughs> I think it's a, it's the strongest metaphor we have because yeah. it does. If you can't breathe, then you can't help another person to breathe. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh,
0: in our latest episode number thirty nine, the portal with Tom Cronin, we talked about shifting our mind's view on what it means to be human because if we really saw the beauty in that we would value different things and act differently so in your book you talk about understanding your own sacredness as a key to self-love and I really saw the parallel there so can you explain what you mean and I'm pretty sure we'll have to break it down a little bit in pieces but let's start with what is that being sacred or owning our (laughs) own sacredness
1: The way that I describe it in the book is sacredness is the combination of your mind, body, and spirit all working together. And I truly do believe to live your best life, you have to know all three aspects of that about yourself. You have to know um, your mind and how it works. And you have to know your body and what what foods work great for you? What workout works great for you? All mm-hmm. these things. Mm-hmm. And again, we're all different. So we all have different answers. And then most importantly, you need to know your spirit because that's your soul. That's your your inner light, your being, the reason you came here. Your purpose lives in that, that spirit bubble as well. Um, and I, to be an optimal human, all three have to be up and running.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And working together, like intertwined. Yeah, yeah
1: they're so- all in cahoots yeah
0: (laughs) if we come back to the thought aspect what does it look like for you to treat your mind or your thoughts with you know reverence if we think of sacredness
1: yeah um I grew up not necessarily having the best thoughts about myself being in a dance company I was surrounded by thoughts and ideas about being really skinny and fit and fitting in a certain costume and having a certain hair color that you, you go on stage and you look like everybody else and you know, at the time being eight to 18 years old, it didn't really, I I didn't recognize it because it just was life Mm -hmm. as I knew it. But then I was able to go back and think about, I was really unkind to myself during those years. And no one knew this because it's all in my inner thoughts, but Mm -hmm. I was, I was judgmental towards the other girls. I was judgmental towards myself, my own body, Um, I was always kind of a little bit bigger than everybody else. Big boned, as they would say. And some of the costumes didn't fit me as well. And I just remember... And those teen years are so hard just Mm for everybody in general. But I just remember mentally not loving myself and just really beating myself up of why can't I be like them and comparison and, and what's wrong with me. And looking back at that, it's like I have so much empathy and compassion to that little girl mm-hmm. who would eventually figure it out but it, it's just it's those years are brutal to begin with and I think that if we can start teaching our teens a self-love version that would be great because they would they would get to bypass some of that really hard stuff but uh, my thoughts continued to be kind of negative up until I moved to California. That's when I started meeting more positive, uplifting spiritual people and realized, oh, they're teaching me new ways of thinking. And it was something as simple as The Secret that I read probably 15 years ago now that I was like, oh, I think I can get on board with this. I want to understand how this positive thought creates positive life experiences. Uh, And that's kind of the root of self-love as well as knowing your thought process, because what you think about will manifest for you. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. So if we have a mindset of lack of judgment or what we don't have in life and we want to shift to that positive, how do we focus or cultivate that new way of seeing like what we have instead or? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's as simple as a gratitude practice for what we do have. And I'm talking about like simple gratitude, like Grateful for that I have, I have food in the fridge and I have water to drink. Clean water. We have clean water running through our pipes. That's mm-hmm. something that's a luxury for many people across the world. They don't have that. Um, gratitude for the way that uh, we're able to get to our mats. That's a huge piece of gratitude. So when you can break down those smaller things that are already working really well in your life, then you can shift your perspective to a broader Uh, what you want to manifest. Because I think gratitude is one of those secret ingredients that really makes life so much better.
0: Mm -hmm. The way you see it, how does gratitude becomes or moves towards manifestation? How do you pass from one to the other?
1: You just keep making gratitude lists. (laughs) And eventually you wake up one day and you realize, oh, I manifested this. (laughs) So gratitude
0: for things that haven't still happened as well. Not only gratitude for what you have right now. Is that what you mean?
1: Exactly. I do both. Mm-hmm. I do... Actually, I, I go back and forth between things that I want to happen and acting as if they already have happened. Like, thank you for my next book deal. Thank you for my television deal. And all these things are still manifesting. But I write it as if... In my journal, I write it as if it's here, it's happened, it's manifested. And then on the other flip side, some days I wake up and I gratitude journal about having my cup of coffee in the morning that I love so dearly. Mm-hmm. And having the... ability. Like this morning, I it was kind of chilly outside and I woke up and I forgot to turn the heat on last night. And I'm like, Oh, it's chilly. And I grabbed a blanket to wrap me to wrap around me as I sat down to gratitude. I'm like, I'm really grateful for this blanket. Mm-hmm. And then I started around and realizing like, Oh, and I also have the fact that I have a heater and I could take a hot shower. And I, I just, it starts to spiral once you start on the gratitude list. And I, and I know that negative thoughts can spiral too mm-hmm. because I've been there and gone down that hole. But if both positive and negative thoughts can spiral, choose the positive ones because they will continue to grow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a spiral that moves wider and bigger versus a spiral that brings you down yourself. Totally. Yeah. It's
1: like, it's like the the end of two sticks, the end of two spirals. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll
1: get back to the episode
0: after this short break. Support for this podcast comes from Juice Beauty, whose founder, Karen Benke, believes that women shouldn't have to choose between their beauty and their health. Juice Beauty is radically transforming the chemistry of beauty with luxurious, high-performance skincare and vibrant, plant-pigment makeup formulated with antioxidant-rich, certified organic ingredients. Every organic drop feeds your skin. Find your clean skincare or makeup solution at juicebeauty.com erica and Erica with a K, and use the coupon code YOURMAT to receive 20% off your order. I love their products, and I went to visit their farm here in California where they grow some of the ingredients they put in their products, and it was truly amazing. I'm sure you'll enjoy their products as well. Okay, back to the episode. Okay, let's move to uh, the second thing you were talking about is the body. Yeah. What does it look like for you to treat your body with respect? You mentioned exercise and you mentioned another thing, but I'm sure you have more to say about that.
1: Exercise is a big one. Foods that you eat Mm, are really important as well. Um, And something that I've really dived into in the last couple of years is what I call my bougie sleep patterns, (laughs) where I made my bed the most luxurious place in my house. I've (laughs) spent money on my sheets and my pillows to make sure that they were Exactly what I wanted, mm-hmm. and I just I live like a queen when I sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, and it's something that I've I've really pulled into my self care routine. Is I know that if I'm feeling bougie while I sleep, I'm going to sleep better. And I also turn my phone off now at night before going to bed because I'm no longer in that crazy job, so mm-hmm. I don't have to be at my phone twenty four seven, which is such a luxury now because I realized during that time period, how much of my life wasn't my own, which totally prompted my self-love journey. So I have so much gratitude for that. But now that my life is more of my own and I'm making my own choices, it's my choice to turn my phone off. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge difference. So I'm not tempted to look at it or it's not going to ding in the middle of the night for some stupid email that I don't really need to check or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But sleep is just become a huge priority in my life because I definitely know that I function better when I have the seven to eight hours versus when I'm running around like crazy, only Mm -hmm. having three hours. But that being said, sometimes our lives, uh, shift our sleep patterns. Like I I know when I'm not a mom yet, but one day I will be, but I totally recognize like, Hey, that's going to mess up my sleep pattern for a little while. So I think it's important to also recognize that life ebbs and flows and some some periods are going to be like super bougie and self-care and then some periods are not going to be that way cuz you mm-hmm. have other things that are more important.
0: Mhm. So sleep patterns and making sure that it's optimal you have optimal sleep for yourself. Exercise yeah. There's a nuance there for me where like exercise that is good for you and that actually brings you, you know, that doesn't drain you even more. Sometimes people are sure. like, oh, I'm going to go at the gym and or to CrossFit or to whatever you choose to do. And I feel even more drained after. And it's not actually a self-care yeah. practice. It's like a, you know, um, almost like adding on to that self-harm practice that you might have with your thoughts.
1: Yeah, So. That's- that doesn't work. That's, that's, yeah, that's the opposite. Definitely find a, a, a workout routine that works with you and your body. Mm-hmm. Don't push yourself into something just because it's what other people are doing or what you think you need to do for X, Y, and Z. Follow your instincts. Mm-hmm.
0: And same for diet, I assume what works for you. There's no one single diet that is good for everybody. If you're that- <laughs> doing better on low grain or if you're doing better on high fats or whatever it is, you have to experiment and find what's serving you.
1: Totally, and I also go through phases where I'm totally happy doing no grains, and then sometimes I want the grains, and then I realize I've had too many grains, cut it, cut it out again. So it, mm-hmm. again, it ebbs and flows. Yeah. and I don't think there's perfection in any of it. The perfection is the ebb and flow.
0: Yeah, and then the last part was spirit. Yes. Uh, do you include in that like intuition, or is it really like connection? Like, what what does that yeah. look like for you?
1: It's intuition and instinct, um, following your heart, following your gut. It's all kind of the same umbrella of Mm -hmm. the same idea of having a connection to your source, your inner power, your soul, whatever you want to call it. I think there's a million different words that we all use for it. But at the end of the day, there is some kind of energy that we are. So how does
0: following your intuition helps you understand your own sacredness?
1: By listening to your intuition, I think that... from my personal experience by listening to my intuition has led me further down my journey and discovered more wonderful things about myself, like writing. Do,
0: do you see it like an act of trust in yourself?
1: Definitely. It's, it's a it's a huge act of trust mm. in myself. And I think the world teaches us to not trust ourselves because mm-hmm. so much thrown at us. And we always want to ask someone else for their opinion or their advice. And at the end of the day, we can take all of that we want, but it's still up to us and our inner, that inner knowing to make the choice or to, to go forward with something.
0: So understanding that we know best for ourselves.
1: Yes. And I think my yoga practice totally tuned me into that version of myself much quicker than anything else has. Mm -hmm. And I think that has to do with the fact that, you know, the poses are kind of aligned to make you breathe better, right? And make you focus Mm -hmm. better. Mm -hmm. And why wouldn't that, you into your intuition as well.
0: Yeah. So intuition, listening to that, cultivating the trust, what's the link between like boundaries, choices, empowerment, and self-love? I feel like there's a connection there.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. They all kind of swim in the same pool. Um, I call it the, the self umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> and under the umbrella, we have self-love, self-worth, self-esteem, self-respect. Um, empowerment definitely falls in there. I think that empowerment's a really great word right now that's kind of trending. And, and it's a good thing it's trending. But we're talking about the empowered woman coming out after years of not being empowered. Um, and empowerment's just a great word to embody. Mm. When when you're empowered, you have the ability to, to empower others as well, to, to inspire them to be empowered. Mm-hmm.
0: And do you find that setting boundaries and respecting those boundaries is also just a great way to honor your own sacredness?
1: Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And a lot of my boundary setting that I've done in this last year has to do with self-care. It's more of a boundary of not me against like someone in particular, but me against the world that wants me to do something different. Mm-hmm. Like, like putting setting- yourself first. Yeah, putting myself first. Like some some nights, I don't want to go out. I'd rather stay home and and take my bath and my meditation and and my bougie sleep patterns. And <laughs> I don't have to be out doing things all the time, like Instagram would tell you. Mm-hmm. You can go home and relaxed and really nourishing yourself, so that way you can better do your purpose.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so. One more thing that we haven't talked about that you mentioned in the book is the relationship between emotions and self-love or like your emotional intelligence and self-love. Yeah. And that might come back to the thoughts aspect. but I also feel that it maybe works in the body and in the spirit. Like it's kind of something that touches all three parts. Yeah, so
1: with- I think it does. hmm um, and the reason that I got really interested in emotional intelligence is because the way that I grew up, I kind of, um, walked on eggshells a little bit in my household, not wanting to upset my mom or my dad and, and nothing was terribly wrong. Like I grew up quite, um, blessed and, and, and no major struggles in my childhood, but th- certain things would like start anger fights or, or, or crying or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And of course participating in this too, because it's the environment that I'm in. Um, and most of it was just kind of nonsense. Like there was nothing really to be worried over or upset or stressed about. It was just probably the way my parents were raised and that, that their parents were raised. It kind of It's a generational mm-hmm. thing. It's what you know. And in my during my self-love journey, especially in my early 20s, I recognized that I was having all these emotional outbursts, especially in my relationship with my boyfriend at that time. And... God bless him because he put up with a lot of me trying to figure out myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we all have that that partner where we're like, oh man, I really put a lot on you because I was trying to figure out me. <laughs> um, but it, it, we would have conversations with like, what's wrong with you and why are you crying? And I had to dig deep because I didn't really have an answer other than I was triggered by something that mm-hmm. was from my childhood. And so I kind of went down this rabbit hole research journey of why do we get triggered during certain emotional, emotional moments? And, um, why does it then lead down to the spiral
0: mm-hmm. of the
1: negative stuff? Because, you know, you, you get tripped up on something, it'll just keep on going. Uh, so then I started really paying attention to my triggers and understanding them and working through them. And eventually they stopped being triggering. And I realized, oh, and of course this was during my yoga practice as well. Um, cause I, do you think that my yoga practice kind of cleared out some of my triggers? If that makes sense, mm-hmm. uh, I realized, oh, this is this is what emotional intelligence is. It's being aware of the triggers and letting them kind of slide off of you versus letting them spiral. And that takes time. Like that mm-hmm. did not happen overnight, but I can definitely understand myself better now, understanding that, like, oh, that. That might be a trigger for me, so let's watch it versus um, attacking it or reacting to it.
0: Mm-hmm. And just like positive or negative emotions or negative thought can be kind of counteract with positive ones, do you think that to step or to move away from those triggers or to not be triggers by those emotions, it's about bringing the opposite, like compassion and forgiveness for ourselves? Is that
1: oh like, yeah a key? It's the first key of it is self-awareness of, oh, it's happening. This is an emotional trigger. Um, And yeah, (laughs) you're like, oh, this is happening. Okay. (laughs) And now from that place of acknowledging it's happening, I get to make the choice of how I wanted to want to respond to it. Do I want to attack it and yell and scream and cry and act like a child? Or do I want to let it kind of play itself out and understand it? And of course, the answer is understand it. But it took a while to understand that I needed to understand it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think for a lot of people, it feels safer to look the other way or to keep your head in the sand, just keep going um, kind of on autopilot, right? And be like,
1: I didn't see that. That was not that bad. (laughs) It's
0: easier to autopilot
1: it and it's easier to kind of push the blame onto someone else and, and not take responsibility for it. Um, taking responsibility for your actions and your words and all of your choices is a, is a huge part of self-love as, as well, because when you can own all of your shit, that's what I call it, ownership, mm-hmm. you can understand it. You understand everything you've been through and how you got to where you are.
0: Yeah. And you're not putting a a pause or a slowdown on your growth.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You're letting it grow. Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome. Do you think in that case, there's a destination to your journey of self-love? Is there a moment where you're like, I have arrived <laughs> and everything think- gets automatic and easy, or is it like a forever thing?
1: I think it's always going to continue. I do think that there are levels for sure though. Um, I know that I'm in a place right now in my life that I was not in even two or three months ago. It's this this next level of self-love started in August or late July. Um, and I wasn't necessarily expecting it, but all of a sudden I got to a point where it's like, oh, things aren't moving the way I need them to. So I need to look at my inner dialogue and my inner thought process and all the inner workings to understand how I can level up. And when I realized that I needed to learn about surrendering, which was a Mm -hmm. huge that then bumped me up to the next level that I'm at right now. So I think we level up each time we learn a significant lesson and that's just continuing on the self-love path I don't think it really ever ends I think there are moments of peace with it and you get very content with like I'm very happy with where I am right now um have like learned a positive all- plateau yeah it's a positive plateau exactly but always knowing at some point down the line there will be another lesson and it's the, it's, you can, you can work it the same way where it's like, all right, I'm in a lesson phase right now. And I know I'll get to that plateau again. Cause it's just, it's continually, continually climbing mountains. Mm-hmm. So what are the
0: biggest obstacle on that journey? We mentioned like just being on autopilot and trying to avoid, but I'm sure there's other stuff that stop us.
1: Yeah. I, my biggest thing that I had to kind of learn about myself is that I would have breakdowns to breakthroughs. And I didn't fully understand that until about five years ago. Um, because I had always just cried it out and gotten to where I needed to be from the tears. But then I realized like, oh, that's my process. That's not anything to be afraid of or fearful. It's just, this is how my mind, body, and spirit work to get the message to me of whatever mm-hmm. the message lesson is. Like, I have to go through tears and kind of dissecting whatever the situation is and bringing in the facts and then bringing in the the non-facts, the things that I've created in my head that mm-hmm. aren't real, but dissecting all of them and and kind of getting myself to this raw, vulnerable place until the message is understood and then I can move forward to the next level.
0: It's like understanding that you needed a mini version of a rock bottom to see what was next yeah. and where you needed to go from there.
1: And that for me, that's my process. So that will continue to happen my entire life, I believe. Because now that I understand it, I can look back and be like, oh, this has been happening since I was a kid. I just didn't have the understanding that it was my process. I thought it was just something that was happening to me and probably happened to others and just the way to live. But now that I understand it on a more broken down level of like, oh, this has to happen to get to the next level. It's mm-hmm. a, There's a lot more compassion towards it. And I even, when I'm going through those phases... Um, I try to just be alone for a little while. There's, there's two of my best friends, Hunter and David, who I talk about in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, I call them, uh, if one of them is in LA in town, they'll come over and bring me cookies or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'll just cry on their, on their shoulders essentially. Um, but other than that, I just kind of lock myself into my little room for a while, for a few days to just let myself be in the energy and, I think that, you know, I, I've definitely dealt with thinking like, is this depression? Like what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Um, but I realized there's nothing wrong. This is just the way that I process and I move forward.
0: You mentioned two things in there that I want to just pick at for a second. One is being alone. Do you think overscheduling and always having commitment is a obstacle that we put into our paths for like, it stops. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Um, so that alone I, time is crucial. Alone time is so crucial you, because how will you ever hear yourself? You mm-hmm. know, how do you... So it's like you're bringing
0: also, that spaciousness from the mat into your life. It's just being alone for a second or a minute or a couple of exactly. days.
1: <laughs> or yeah, however long you need. Like <laughs> if you need three hours, take three hours. If you need three weeks, take three weeks. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that a lot of people overschedule themselves um, because they're running from themselves. Mm-hmm. They don't want to sit down and listen. I, I watch a ton of my friends work a, a nine to five kind of job and then bail out Friday night. They don't get back till late Sunday night because they leave town on the weekends. It's like, where, where are you going? Like what are you doing every single weekend where you have to be <laughs> out running from yourself? But it, it's interesting. Cause I, I watch that and I think, Oh, I've done that before. I understand that. So mm-hmm. it's interesting watching from the other side.
0: Yeah. The other thing you mentioned is your two friends supporting you. And I find that people in our life can be like accelerators or anchors in our growth. So how do you either face the people that confront you with you're changing or you're different now versus like just aligning with people that add momentum to your growth?
1: Yeah, um, I think the people that don't grasp your changing, they kind of fall off naturally. Mm -hmm. Like you... (laughs) you just naturally part ways. I mean, sometimes it's a little bit more brutal and there's a breakup involved. But it, for most of the relationships in my life that have been like that, it's just we kind of outgrew one another. And there's still a respect and a, and a common courtesy of saying hello to one another. You know, if, if one of us has a big event or um, something like that will show up. But for the most part, there's no day-to-day communication like there may have been in the past. Mm-hmm. Um And just acknowledging like that relationship served its purpose for the time it was. And now it's just a piece of my history versus uh, something that I have to do every day. And then I think it becomes very obvious who your tribe is once you start to go through your process because you can relate to someone. When you you have that relation of like, oh, I understand what you're going through. I'm going through that too. You recognize like, oh, that person gets me.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Before we wrap it up, do you have any practices that we haven't mentioned or any tips or tools that people can use and start to apply in their life right away to cultivate more self-love? Like, right this second.
1: Yeah. uh, One of my favorite things is when I come across a rough moment in a day, because, you know, we're human, stuff happens. I think of five things I'm grateful for right then and right there. And again, it's back to some of the simple stuff like yeah. we have running water in our houses um, that can shift your energy real quick. And then one of my favorite things is actually a product line. My, my, my accidental entrepreneurship, I created an affirmation candle line. And the idea of it is that you write your affirmation down on the beautiful little piece of paper that it comes with and you light the candle and say the affirmation aloud. Mm. And my affirmations start with, I am, I can, and I will. And so I think that's a huge game changer in the long run of how to change your thought process because you have to believe in yourself to get anything done.
0: Yeah. And it comes also, it aligns with like creating intentions for your life.
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm.
0: Anything else? Um, I think you mentioned
1: meditation briefly. Yeah. uh, More recently, I've gotten really into Abraham Hicks meditations, which is something that I had listened to 10 years ago when I first started my journey, but they've kind of circled back in Mm. and I'm enjoying listening to those first thing in the morning.
0: Okay, cool. Anything else you want to add before we finish? If there's like one takeaway you'd like listeners to leave with, what would that be?
1: To know that when you start your self-love journey, you stop judging yourself because you start to understand all of your previous choices and when you stop judging yourself you stop judging others. Mm. And I think that's kind of a big thing that's needed in our society and our entire world right now. We're so judgmental of ourselves and therefore others. Mm-hmm. And it's not helping. So therefore self-love kind of becomes the seed of what's needed to heal the planet.
0: Mhm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I'll put all your info in the show notes. But in the meantime, where's the best place for people to find you if they want to say hello, they want to get your book?
1: I'm yeah. sure you have. Go yeah. uh, Love Yourself is on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Audible. Um, drop me a line on my Instagram. I'm at Heather Reinhardt, And my candles are available at affirmationcandles.com.
0: Awesome.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for
0: your time today. That was such a pleasurable episode to record with you. Thank
1: you for having me. So, so, so blessed. Thank you
0: so much for listening. We have other great guests coming up, so make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any. Now, if you want to make my day, help other people find this podcast and or get a chance to win a $75 shop card from Atleta, all you have to do is head on to iTunes or on the podcast app of your iPhone, scroll down on the show's page and click the link, write a review. As you write your review and save it, you automatically enter the giveaway. You don't have to do anything else. And I announce the winner on next episode after a random draw. If you're newer to reviews or you want even more detailed instruction, you can check out the show notes. You'll also find there more info about our guest of today, Heather Reinhardt and her book Go Love Yourself. You can also visit my website for those two things at ericabelanger.com slash blog dash podcast. Also, guys, if you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to visit patreon.com slash on and off your mat to donate or become a monthly member and get your hands on all our exclusive content. And in the same time, you can support me in this offering. Now, before we go, just one last thank you to Alexander Saba, working in the background, creating the music, editing and mastering this podcast. Once again, guys, thank you for joining us. Until next time.